what I see in the word of God is how God, according to his plan, this isn't me trying to make the Bible say something that I want it to say. It's me looking at God's word at face value and just believe in what it says that God, according to his plan, his sovereign will chose to send Jesus in like manner as a man in humbling himself and emptying himself to become a man, to become that figure who is totally dependent on God, living with the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that he could be replicatable to other men. No, they weren't God in the beginning and no, they weren't conceived of God in their mother's wombs. But they too can learn from him and fully depend on the same God, walk in the same anointing. Why? Because he tells us. Hey everyone, welcome to the Living with Synergy podcast. I'm your host and Bible teacher, Colby Cullum. We're continuing our series, Follow Me, Learning and Living the Full Life of Jesus. And last week was uh, quite a puncher, you know, where we talked about how we can live like Jesus because Jesus wants us to live like him. He wants his life to be replicated. The very fact that he had disciples was proof that he was wanting people to raise up underneath him so that when he resurrected and went up into heaven, that those who remained on the earth would continue his work with like ability, with like power, with like strength. Jesus wanted his ministry and his life to be replicated, not from him to them only, but multiplicative and, and is that a word and, and replicatable from them to others. He, he wants his life to be lived with every single disciple of his who observes him, who learns from him, who takes his yoke upon them and, and genuinely, genuinely wants to live like him. And the thing that we really hit home last time was that we can live like Jesus because he became a man, we can identify with him because he identified with us. He humbled himself from his divinity, from his deity, and emptied himself of those attributes, of those qualities that made him equal with God in order to become a man. Now, I feel like I need to preface this if you had any reservations from the last message, and by the way, if you had great reservations from the last message and you're still choosing to listen to this one, well, bravo. That really makes me happy. But let me tell you something about myself. I cannot do origami to the scripture to make it say what I want it to say. I'm just too dumb to do any of that to the word of God. I don't know how to do it. And I can't do origami to Greek. I don't look up one word out of a scripture and try to, you know, pinpoint what the Greek context is in its most primo form. And I, I can't do that. I am a simple minded man who takes God's word at face value. And what I see in the word of God is how God, according to his plan, this isn't me trying to make the Bible say something that I want it to say. 
It's me looking at God's word at face value and just believing what it says that God, according to his plan, his sovereign will, chose to send Jesus in like manner as a man in humbling himself and emptying himself to become a man, to become that figure who is totally dependent on God, living with the anointing of the Holy Spirit so that he could be replicatable to other men. No, they weren't God in the beginning and no, they weren't conceived of God in their mother's wombs. But they too can learn from him and fully depend on the same God, walk in the same anointing. Why? Because he tells us. Now, I'm giving you some spoilers right now, okay? I haven't even read these scriptures yet. But if you will just take me at my word and just know that I'm a simple-minded man just wanting to follow Jesus, this has nothing to do with me trying to be a Mormon and saying that we are some sort of gods and we can elevate ourselves to the deity of Jesus. But sometimes people put their full faith in phrases and negate scriptures. And what what do I mean by that? Well, one of the things that we believe about Jesus, which I've already made the point, I don't need to make the point again. I don't even know why I'm going into this defense. I apologize. Maybe I don't need to, but maybe I do because religious people are just... It's hard for them to get past certain things, especially this particular uh, truth right here where Jesus emptied himself. In fact, just to show you how simple minded I am, I think people call it the the kenosis, kenosis. (laughs) See, I I, I don't even know the kenosis of Christ, of him emptying himself and how that's just that's a farce. But the point I'm trying to make is. Him being a hundred, we say that he's a hundred percent God and he's a hundred percent man. Now in that fact, that is true. Okay. He's a hundred percent God because he was born of God. He was not born of flesh in the sense that a man and a woman had intercourse and he was conceived and then he was born. He was conceived by the Holy Spirit. He was conceived by father God himself in the womb of Mary, and he was 100% God. He came from the heavenlies and somehow transitioned from that divine garment, spirit body, and was able to embody a mortal woman in order to, for him to come through the woman and be born a man. It, it is it's so fascinating how God was able to accomplish this. So he was fully God and fully man. But because people believe that statement, well, he's fully God, he's fully man, he's the only one who's ever done that. Well, then there are certain aspects about Jesus' life that they just write off that only Jesus could do it. Now, that does seem wise. That, that does seem like the humble approach to take. And, and trust me, I am not someone who reads the Bible so that I can read it for what I want to get out of it. I am someone who reads the Bible because I, I, I want to find the will of God. If you're not familiar with our main scripture of our podcast, it is Colossians 4.12. Here, here's, here's the main verse of Colossians 4.12. It, it talks about a man named Epaphras. Epaphras who is one of you labors fervently for you in prayers that you may stand perfect and complete in all of the will of God. 
So I'm like Epaphras in the sense that I'm one of you. I don't have a pulpit. I'm a full-time dad. I got four kids. I am happily married to an amazing wife. And I'm just using this as a platform and an avenue to just convey the things that are blessing me from, from gleaning myself out of God's word. I'm one of you. I'm a simple-minded, full-time, vocational working man reading from the word of God that I may know him more. I want to know his will. I want to understand his will. And I want to stand perfect and complete in all of his will. And so trust me when I say that when I read the word of God, shame on me if I twist any aspect of it to make it say what I want it to say. In fact, more than shame, we're we're talking damnation to those who twist and wrestle the scriptures to make it say what they want it to say. And God forbid that I want to be in that class at all. I want to read God's word and I want to believe everything in it. Now, with that being said, with Jesus being fully God and Jesus being fully man, okay, we're going to go over into some more scriptures to really hone in and prove the point that it is God's will. And we talked about that the first time. The life of Jesus reveals the will of God. If you want to know the will of God and you don't want it to be as mysterious as you think it is. Now, that God is infinite. And, and there is still so much about God that we have no clue about. And we will have to take all eternity to understand just more facets of what his will and ways are. But God in his grace and sovereignty and mercy, he has revealed his heart and his will in different ways. There are certain things about his will that he does not want to remain mysterious, but he wants it to be made known in our lives. And the perfect place to start is with the life of Jesus. And part of the will of God that I find in the life of Jesus is that he wants us to live like Jesus. And it's amazing. We we talked about the scriptures last time where he emptied himself, where he stripped himself of all privileges and rightful dignity of him being with God. He gave up everything, even his place with God. And we even read some pretty significant scriptures like Romans chapter eight, where it said, God sent his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh, sinful flesh. Okay. And it says in Hebrews 4:15, for we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are. Now, I'm sure there may have been some people who may have had some reservations where I said Jesus could have fallen. No, Jesus couldn't have fallen. He was he was 100 percent God. He, he could not have sinned. No, he was made in the likeness of sinful flesh. Though he was conceived by God the Father, he still came through the mortal woman who was of sinful flesh. And as a high priest, he can rightfully sympathize and understand our weaknesses, our temptations, our urges, because he was in all points tempted as we are. And that should give us some hope, guys. It should give us some hope. In the fact that God Almighty took the risk to take on not just human flesh, but human sinful flesh, not because he sinned, but he had the tendency to sin. And it makes his propitiation and his death on the cross that much more glorious.
See, now you got me fired up. I didn't mean to be this fired up starting this podcast. It makes it that much more glorious how he was able to live a sinless and perfect life. That is fascinating to me. But just to prove the point just a little bit more, I want to dive into this where Jesus emptied himself, where he said it himself. He couldn't do things because he was God himself. And, and, and seriously, if you have reservations, then just read the word with me. Again, I don't go into the Greek. I don't, I don't go into the deep synonyms and syllables. And I just read the word for what it says. And Jesus said this in John chapter five, verse 19. By the way, I'm very raspy today because I had some drainage in my throat this week and just it tore my throat up. But thank God that I have enough voice in me to still preach the word. Amen. It says in John five, verse 19, then Jesus answered and said to them, most assuredly, I say to you, the son can do nothing of himself. Let me just pause right there. Did you did you hear what? It, most assuredly, he's saying, I'm telling you the truth. When he says, most assuredly, I say unto you, he's saying, this is assuredly most the truth. The son can do nothing of himself. Now, do I need to go into the definition of the word can? It means to be able to. The son is not able to do anything of himself, but what he sees the father do for whatever he does, the son also does in like manner for the father loves the son and shows him all things that he himself does. And he will show him greater works than these that you may marvel. Skip down to verse 30. Look at this. I can of myself do nothing. As I hear, I judge, and my judgment is righteous because I do not seek my own will, but the will of the Father who sent me. It says in John chapter 14, verse 10, Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I'm in the Father and the Father in me. Or else believe me for the sake of the works themselves. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. You know, there are certain people that just kind of go off on certain denominations for quoting this verse. Oh, so they think they can do greater works than Jesus. I'm sorry. Yes, I do, because Jesus said it. Do you believe Jesus or not? I'm going to choose to err on the side of believing Jesus and taking him at his word. And if he says I can have it, then I want to have it. I don't want to let anything skimp in the way to, 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 for me to not have what he says I can have, for me to not know what he says I can know, for me to not do what he says I can do. He says, most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. Guys, I'm telling you, we should not read the life of Jesus passively. The life of Jesus isn't simply recorded for us to applaud and praise for what only he can do. 
The life of Jesus is recorded so that we may learn how to walk as he walked. He made himself a human example for us to relate to. He was as much the son of man as he was the son of God. And very interestingly, Jesus always referred to himself as the son of man. Everything in Jesus's life can be observed and followed so that we can live just like him. His mannerisms, his habits, his holiness, his love, his humility, his character, his discernment, his conversations, even his miracles, his healings, and his power can all be imitated. And if you will just give me the benefit of the doubt on the certain details that we would say only Jesus can do that. If you'll just give me the benefit of the doubt, again, I'm not going to make the Bible read what I want it to read. This is something that God has really placed on my heart that I, I, I am so... Uh, man, not just interested, but as you can see in the passion of my voice, I'm just so driven to represent my Lord well and to follow him to the T. And I am just beyond convinced that the things that I see laid out in his word, that he wants me to live the same type of life. He wants me to imitate him and mimic him in all areas Jesus said that we could do the same works as he did, and even greater works, greater works than the Son of God. (laughs) I'm telling you, you would have to do origami to the Greek for that not to mean his miracles and his signs and his wonders. Remember, Jesus emptied himself and became a mortal man. So how about this? To To end the podcast, let's compare some of Jesus' miracles with other miracles in the Bible. Now, Jesus is the only one who has walked the earth as a man who was God and God from the beginning. There are many other miracles recorded in the scripture of mere mortal men doing miracles. These men were not gods. These men were not super elevated spirit beings. They were men with flesh and blood, like, or should I say, the likeness of sinful flesh, like we all have, who were able to tap into something with God in order to do things that sounded very similar to the things that Jesus did, okay? That's why we shouldn't just write off all of Jesus' miracles as, uh, well, that's only some that Jesus could do. Why then do I see these sinners written in my same Bible, who do something very similar. What are some of the things that Jesus did that we would assume only Jesus could do because he's God? All right, I'm going to try to think of some things on the spot. Um, Well, he healed the lame, okay? There were many different lame men that he healed. Um, How about this? He calmed a storm, remember? He was in a boat and he calmed a storm. He spoke to the elements, right? Um, he raised the dead. Um, he raised Jairus's daughter. And we're going to go, we're going to go into all this guys. We're, we are literally going to read from his baptism onward, practically every verse, um, of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But I'm just thinking these things on, on, on the spot. He raised the dead. He, he raised the little girl. Um, he raised Lazarus from the dead there. He stopped a funeral procession and raised a widow's son from the dead, okay? Um, There are instances where he knew people's thoughts, 
right? There were things that people were saying to, the, uh, to themselves or within themselves, and Jesus knew their thoughts and responded in such a way. Um, he multiplied food. He multiplied it twice. I don't know if you know that. He, he fed 5,000 people. Um, that is not including the women and children one time. And then he fed 4,000 people another time. He multiplied food. He cast out demons. Um, people touched the hem of his garment and were healed. They were healed by just touching the very frill of his clothes. Uh, what was another one? He turned water into wine. How about that one? He turned water into wine. Oh, here's a good one. Here's a good one. He walked on water. Okay. He walked on water. So all of what I just mentioned, all of those things, as amazing as those are, like absolutely amazing that Jesus did those things and praise be to God that he did them. They also happened either the same or to a greater degree with mortal men. Everything that I just mentioned, seriously. Okay, what did I mention first? I mentioned uh, he healed the lame, right? Well, um, in Acts, I believe it's chapter three, Peter healed a lame man who was at the temple and he was lame from birth and he was like 40 years old. Peter did. Paul healed a man during his preaching in the book of Acts. I, I want to say it's like in Acts 20 or something. When Jesus calmed the storm, right? He spoke to the, to the elements. He rebuked the, the waves. He, he rebuked the storm and it obeyed him, right? Well, Moses, he was a mere mortal man and the Red Sea parted. Joshua, Elijah, Elisha, the, the, the Jordan River parted for them, for them to walk on dry ground. Moses, he, uh, he, he had water come out of a rock twice. Um, Joshua told the sun to stand still. There was a battle where Joshua told the sun to stand still. Um, I like what James chapter five says about Elijah, where it says in verse uh, 16, the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And, and notice what he did. Notice what his prayer did. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again after three years and six months and the heaven gave rain and the earth produced its fruit. It said that Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. There was nothing elevated about him. He was a mere mortal man. Okay, what about Jesus raising the dead? Well, in the book of Acts, Peter, he raised up Dorcas from the dead. Elijah, the prophet, he raised the Zarephath's widow's son from the dead. Elisha raised the Shunammite woman's son from the dead. A man was raised from the dead who touched Elisha's dead bones. Have you ever read that story? Well, he wasn't God. How was it that his bones made a dead man come to life? All right, how about this? Jesus knew people's thoughts, right? Well, then that, that's Jesus. Okay. Well, there was an instance in the book of Acts where Peter knew um, the heart of Ananias and Sapphira, knew that they were lying to the Holy Spirit, and they dropped down dead in front of him. 
uh, Elisha um, with his servant Gehazi. Um, he got his servant Gehazi got greedy when it came to Naaman, who was healed and wanted to give a bunch of gifts to Elisha for being healed of leprosy. And Gehazi went behind his master's back and said, you know, my master did say he wants a little bit of that because Elisha said he didn't want it. Well, then when he came back, Elisha said, did not my spirit go with you when you went to Naaman? And that dude became leprous. The leprosy that was on Naaman went on Gehazi. Elisha didn't know about Gehazi and what he was doing in and of himself. And then what about this one? Daniel knew Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had a dream, and he wanted all of his wise men to say what the dream was. Not just the interpretation. He wanted them to say what the dream was, and he was going to kill them all. And, Neb and, and Daniel, he knew Nebuchadnezzar's dream and was able to tell it to him. All right, how about this? Jesus multiplied food. Okay. He multiplied food. There's another instance where Elisha the prophet, he fed a hundred men with 20 loaves and had some left over. That doesn't seem like, you know, anything compared to Jesus feeding the 5,000 for sure. But nonetheless, that was, that was not people just eating scraps. That was a multiplication of food, feeding a hundred people. Um, Elijah, when he was with the Seraphath widow, um, he told her to bake some cakes um, with the flour and oil that that she had left. And the Bible says that it, they they never went out. They they never went out for a long period of time. I mean, that flour and that oil multiplied in her uh, in her canisters or pots or whatever they were back then. Elisha and the wife with uh, one of the prophets. Um, there was an instance there where oil multiplied, where she gathered as much pots and pans as she could from all of her neighbors and friends. And, and she took what, what little oil she had in her little pot and she started pouring it out and, and it was filling up every single pot and pan that she had from all of her friends and neighbors. It was multiplied supernaturally multiplied food. Well, how about this? Jesus cast out demons. Well, in the book of Acts, Paul cast out a demon from a fortune teller. Um, uh, when Jesus sent out 70 men, 70 of his disciples, they came back and said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. You know, they came rejoicing because they were able to cast out demons just like their master Jesus. Well, how about this? When people touched the hem of Jesus' garment and was healed. Well, Paul had aprons and handkerchiefs, it says in the book of Acts. I'm doing all these cliff notes for you. Do your own homework and see that these are in the Bible yourself. Literally, aprons and handkerchiefs that were from Paul and laid on the sick, and they were healed from just aprons and handkerchiefs. Or there was one time in the book of Acts where Peter's shadow, his shadow, healed people. That came over them. That's amazing. All right, how about this? He turned the water into wine. That's a pretty good one. Well, remember Moses with the Nile? He turned the water of the Nile into blood. And also, Elisha, there was uh, just, 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 just turning the elements within water or liquid or whatever. There was death, you know, whatever that was, that was in a pot of stew, okay? And then Elisha 
put in some flour and whatnot, and a miracle happened to where it cleansed whatever was in that stew for them to eat what was in the pot, you know. And then Jesus walking on water, you know, the the two instances that I can think of, as amazing as it is with Jesus walking on water, um, there was a guy chopping wood in the days of Elisha, and the axe head came off and went into the water. It's quite funny. Well, that sinks okay and he's like master it was borrowed i can't lose it and he throws a stick into the water and it floats to the top of the water an axe head that is to sink and not only that but when jesus walked on the water one of the gospels says that there was one disciple audacious enough to say lord if it's you Tell me to come on the water. And guess what? It was Peter, his disciple, and Jesus told him to come. He didn't say, no, 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 no. It's something only I can do. Don't do it. Don't do it. No, he said, come. And Peter got out of the boat and began to walk on the water. That's amazing. See, these examples show that God indeed did these miracles. See, I'm not, I'm not elevating any of these men, okay? I'm simply using a point to not discount what men can do under the right circumstances and in the right conditions with God. That's what I'm saying. And to not discount that Jesus, any aspect of Jesus' life is purely only something that he could do because he was God. Because you discount the fact that he emptied himself completely in order to live like one of us in complete dependency on God. See, the, these examples, they are to show that God did the miracles, but they also show that men can work such miracles when they work with God. It's not to prove that men in and of themselves have power or are gods. Don't misunderstand my point. I'm merely seeing a pattern that a man, when in the right position with God, can do the impossible. Jesus became a man to live in the same complete dependence on God as we see with these other examples. Could it be that Jesus emptied himself and humbled himself so that he could exemplify what it truly looks like to live on complete dependence of the Father and on complete dependence of the Holy Spirit. I tell you what, with everything that Jesus says, he really makes it sound like that's the case. I can't do anything of myself. I can't do anything unless I am in communion with the Father, and I'm hearing what he says, and I'm seeing what he does so that I can say what he says, and I can do what he does. So observe, take note, follow him, and learn how you can replicate your teacher. Man, I'm supposed to keep these at 20 minutes long, and here I am, 28 minutes, 27 minutes, now 30 minutes. I'm sorry. You're getting me fired up. Don't miss next week, all right? It's it's going to be it's 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 it, we're just getting started. We're just getting started and we're not done just kind of highlighting this point on uh just God's graciousness to even allow us and enable us to represent him well and to replicate the life of our rabbi and master 
Lord Jesus. So until next time, may the love of God and the grace of the Lord Jesus and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen.